2: The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Season with Peter Schrager. We are now in the second week of August. Preseason football is upon us. There is a full slate of games this weekend. We already had the Hall of Fame game last Thursday, the Hall of Fame induction ceremonies. Hard Knocks is premiering this week. Football's here. like Football is here, and it feels good. And if you listen to this podcast, you come to get your little taste of football, but also learn something new. I thought one of the most interesting stories of the week was that Tennessee Titans coach Mike Vrabel came out and said he'll have assistant head coach and his defensive line coach Terrell Williams be the head coach in the preseason opener against the Bears on Saturday. And it seems like it's something that would be on the bottom line ticker. Oh, that's nice. This is like an incredible like realization I just had and an epiphany that, oh my gosh, like these preseason games mean nothing. Let assistant coaches coach. We always talk about how hard it is to get – an opportunity to, to showcase your skills when you're an assistant and, and kind of climb that ladder. This is the opportunity. I love this from Vrabel. So here's Terrell Williams, who has 26 years of coaching under his belt, 12 in the NFL. He's been you know, Titans defensive line coach since Vrabel got there in 2018. And now all of a sudden you're like, all right, give an opportunity to this guy. And over the last few years, the Titans, and not a, not a headline team by any means, but their defensive linemen, Jeffrey Simmons, been to the Pro Bowl a bunch of times. They've had undrafted guys like Tier Tart and Naquan Jones and Jaden Peavy all make the team. And one of the reasons is Big T, who's the coach and, and you know, his assistant, Clint McMillan, he's going to go and do the defensive line. Those guys have been huge. And, you know, we talk about the issue with the coaching hires and how it's usually nepotism or so only offensive coaches. This is almost like unlocking a key. And I, I didn't expect it because I had not heard about it. And here Vrabel drops this. And I thought, okay, what if this was required What if every coach and not just not the first year coach, but like say your guy, like Vrabel, who's a made man and he's in his fifth year. Say you're Andy Reid, who's in your 20 something year, you know, as a head coach and you're already nearly a decade in with the Chiefs. Maybe one of those three preseason games, an assistant coach is the head coach and he wears the hat and he gets to do it all. And it's him leaving the team out in the tunnel. Here's the parameters I would make it if a coach is there for five years or more with a team. So five years or more go through the list. That's a lot of coaches. At least one of those games has to have an assistant coach as the head coach. And that could be anyone. You could put your longtime offensive line coach in there. You can get your defensive coordinator out there or you can do what Mike Frabo does and he's got a defensive line coach in Terrell Williams handling the head coaching duties. I am going to watch this game on Saturday. Yes, Justin Fields is playing, so I want to see that. I also am really interested in Will Levis and then, of course, uh, Malik Willis as well from the Titans side. But I'm also curious to see if we could even notice a difference if you've got an assistant coach getting a chance to be a head coach and I want to hear his response afterwards that that was my big takeaway from this week's news. And the other one was Sean Payton coming out pretty aggressively and pretty hard. And that's really been uh, Coach Payton's mantra this summer. It seems like saying he doesn't want any any guys wearing Gilligan hats on preseason, which means like those bucket hats they all wear, but also no in-game interviews during the preseason which has become a staple of these local broadcasts like he's not here for that uh we had a really spirited debate on good morning football about this and I was like, I, it's a preseason. Like, let if Jerry, Judy, or, you know, you Russell Wilson adds to the local broadcast, they get two of these, maybe three of these a year. Let them, let them interview with the local news guy who's the sideline reporter and local, local news gal. And Jason McCourty was like, hell no. Like, get rid of that. This is about getting better, and the veterans should be watching. And I'm like, all right, there you go. There's the ex-player versus the talking head uh, difference right there. Some other quick things before we get to our guest, who's a great one. Uh, one, Aaron, Aaron Juan Kaufman, my producer. Have you seen Oppenheimer? I haven't yet,
3: unfortunately. You have not
2: gotten to the theater? No. I saw it last night. Um, are you a Nolan head? Like, are you a guy who has seen all the Nolan movies and like, or what are those? There, he's got people who first night they'll see it. But have you gotten to most of the Chris Nolan films? I have, except for Tenet Yep, and surprisingly interstellar. I also haven't seen, which I've heard is great, but I just it's haven't great. Seen it. I am a Chris Nolan fan, but I'm not one of those guys who's rushing to the theater the first night. However, my wife, my son, my daughter are away this week. I had an open night. A lot of guys decide to go out and rage with their friends. I call my friend and say, can we please go see Oppenheimer? It's three hours long. I don't think I have three hours open the rest of the year. Um, Have you been to the movie theater called the I-Pick in South Street Seaport? No. Okay. So it's like one of these uh, IMAX deals in New York City, but it's a smaller theater and they serve you food. Almost like the Alamo Drafthouse, I guess, but it's like high end. And here's the comedy of it. So I went with my friend Alex, who happens to be a Bills fan, very appropriate with who's coming on as our guest. And Alex and I have seen movies together in the past. I remember we saw uh, The Post, which was epic. We saw that a couple of years back. Um, I think we saw The Big Short together. The two of us, like, we see movies together. Then we took our sons to see Sonic uh, together a few years back as well. So that's my movie guy. We look up at the IPIC. They're like, there's a 615 showing, um, but there's only two seats available. And those two seats are on something that is basically a Shea lounge wow. and, uh, Ooh, and the together. two of us together, together. And it was in the first row. So a three hour movie cuddling with my friend, Alex, watching the movie with my neck, just 90 degrees. And let me tell you something. I freaking loved it. I 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 loved it. it was awesome. I, there's been a, I you know the day after is what I always do I listen to all the podcasts I'm like all right what do the guys at the big picture have to say and then like Chris Ryan starts breaking it down and I'm listening to Andy Greenwald and whoever else is Sean Fennessy and Amanda Dobbins and I'm like what do they got and then I do a little deep dive on Oppenheimer himself and I'm what are the historical inaccuracies I'm not going to spoil anything this movie's great. Anybody who tells you that the last hour is too long or it drags on doesn't appreciate great writing and a great reveal at the end. And this this final scene where it's Oppenheimer and Einstein and it's I'm not going to spoil anything. It leaves you speechless like all these Christopher Nolan movies do with the exclamation mark at the end where you're like, ah, and then they go to the credits. I loved it loved Oppenheimer can't wait to discuss it with Aaron Rodgers when he sees it again, because (laughs) when I asked him about it, he said he saw it at nine o'clock at night, which you cannot do. You have to be like fully in this movie moves and the cameos from not only a list actors, I'm not spoiling anything, but like Remy Malik has like four lines in this movie and he's awesome. Um, Casey Affleck shows up and is tremendous and plays a heel and is just evil in this movie. And you're like, ah, um, but also guys that I haven't, like Josh Hartnett has a big role. I haven't seen Josh Hartnett in a lot of movies lately. I love Jason Clark. That's the actor, you know, him from zero dark 30, but you also know him from that winning time series. Uh, he plays Jerry West, I think in that one. And he's great. So just cameos galore, familiar faces, uh, some surprise cameos at the end that you're like, is that who I think that is? And it is. And I would, I would be shocked if not only is it Killian Murphy or Cillian Murphy? Cillian, I
1: think it's, yeah, I don't know. I think it's
2: Cillian Murphy. I remember seeing him in that movie Red Eye with like Rachel McAdams and like like years ago and being like, that guy's spooky looking. Well, he's amazing as J. Robert Oppenheimer. If he's not nominated for Best Picture, Robert Downey Jr. as Best Supporting Actor, and I'm going to throw in Emily Blunt as Best Supporting Actress, um... I would be shocked. All three of them were amazing. I love the film. And of course, Nolan not only directed it, but he wrote it. That is my recommendation. See that. As far as your Friday nights, can I make another recommendation for everybody this Friday night? The Detroit Lions announced that they're going to be offering an alternate broadcast of their first preseason game against the Giants on Friday night. The main broadcast, of course, will be on the Lions TV network and the Lions radio network, but yours truly will be hosting the alternate broadcast on DetroitLions.com and the Detroit Lions mobile app. I am so excited for this. Here's how it's going to work. I'm basically Peyton and Eli hosting this thing, and it's a Schrager cast, if you will, for the Detroit Lions, and I'm going to have Lions legends and and guys who work for the team now and and other celebrities come on here and there and it's going to be cool. I it could be a complete bust. It could be terrible, but it's an alternate broadcast. We're trying things. I so appreciate the guys not only at the Lions but a company called Kiss We. um and and they're going to be giving me this opportunity. They called me uh earlier this summer said would you be interested in coming on as as a guest or a host? I'm like either one, let's do it. The guests that I've that that, that we've booked for this thing. It is a heavy li- heavy hitter lineup. I love this. Brad Holmes, who I think has the most listens uh, of this podcast, the general manager, he's going to be coming on and joining me. Chris Spielman, who is uh, the special assistant to the president and the CEO and chairperson there now, but Lions legend and was also he he was the analyst when I was a sideline reporter for years for Fox. Gary Danielson's going to be joining. He's the lead college football analyst for CBS, obviously doing SEC and now Big Ten. But he was a Lions quarterback for nine years. He's coming on. Glover Quinn, who was a long-term safety. Golden Tate. How about Jalen Rose, University of Michigan standout, Detroit native, diehard Lions fan coming on. Here's what I love, Aaron. Kirk Gibson's coming on with me, Michigan State legend, uh, but also a Tigers outfielder for years, and was from Pontiac, Michigan. All the, old. Darren McCarty. Red Wings right winger and four-time Stanley Cup champion. Uh, I, I love that we're getting Darren McCarty on this thing. Dave Burkett, who's the Lions beat writer for the Detroit Free Pest Forever and is a Pro Football Hall of Famer. My friend Stacy Dales, NFL Network reporter. And of course, we know her, her history as a wonderful college basketball player and an All-American and a WNBA player for years. I'm fired up, so who knows? It's 7 o'clock on DetroitLions.com. It's going to be a sensation. It's SchragerCast. It's what we do. Uh, It's basically this with a bunch of guests and I'm studying the depth chart for the Lions. I I swear, I'm looking at the Lions depth chart right now. I don't know a lot of these guys. So there's a lot of chances for me to sound stupid. Um, But Lions fans, if you enjoy this kind of banter and you enjoyed my interview with Brad Holmes, check it out. And if you're not a Lions fan and you're a Giants fan or you're just a fan of uh, this podcast and what we've got going in this kind of vibe, I would say check it out, DetroitLions.com, the alternate broadcast of the Giants-Lions preseason opener for both teams. I know it's tough because they don't always, not everyone plays a ton, but do you have a, any player in particular on the Lions roster mm. you're most excited to see on Friday? I want to see if Gibbs plays, right? That was the guy yeah, that, yeah, like, yeah, you know, that. Holmes that, loved him. Yeah. Yeah. Holmes loved him. He's a top 15 pick. You know, th- then there's uh, other stories because, like, I've been doing my research and I fall I've fallen in love with a wide receiver who I think might play a lot in the second half, named Dylan Drummond. Drummond's story is cool, Aaron. Real quick before we get to our guest, here it is. You'll like this. All right, never was all conference in anything um, at at Eastern Michigan in the MAC. He was like this under the radar guy. Doesn't get the combine, nothing like. Draft weekend, he's golfing the entire time. Doesn't even pick up his phone because he knows he's not getting drafted. He's a wide receiver. But usually when you don't get drafted and you're a good player in college football, you'll you'll try to get signed as an undrafted free agent. Like in the hours after the draft, there's probably like a couple hundred guys that that happens to. um, Or all the teams are like, all right, we're going to have 10 extra guys that we signed as undrafted free agents. So we're going to have them on the roster and they're going to fight for a spot. He wasn't one of them. So take the 300 guys who get drafted, the 200 guys who get undrafted free agent signings. That's 500 guys. He's not one of them. They have a rookie mini camp tryout in the spring and he shows up and he's, you know, Ipsilanti is where Eastern Michigan was. He shows up, plays well three days and he's about to leave. And he's like, I guess that was that doesn't hear anything, gets a call. And they're like, um, are you still in the building? He's like, yeah, they're like, we'd like to sign you to a rookie contract just to come to training camp. And so Dylan goes, and signs it. And I, to a man, I'm not trying to hype him up all t- too much. I don't even know if he makes the team. But everyone that I speak to in Detroit is like Dylan Drummond is crushing it. Like he is having a great camp. So I am excited to see that guy. Dylan Drummond, jersey number 83 for the Detroit Lions. I assure you no other podcast in the world is talking about Dylan Drummond right now uh, on uh, in the second week of August. Awesome, nice. Well, I'm excited to watch him now. Yeah, and and watch the the Detroit Lions dot com broadcast. Uh, plenty of other stuff going on. We'll hit it throughout the next couple of weeks. But all your teams are on this weekend. Enjoy it. It also means it's the end of uh, NFL Network sending. People all over the camps and having them in their polo shirts and the director's chair and interviewing the players and getting great sound bites. It's been fun. My funniest video of the week that I loved was Scott Hansen from NFL Red Zone. Hi, Scott Hansen here. Um, Scott Hansen going into the Jaguars facilities men's bathroom and being so impressed. By the technology that they have that grades your hydration. Essentially, you deposit yourself, like he was using crazy words. He was explaining it on this video about peeing into the urinal, and the urinal tells you if your hydration levels are correct. And he's like, if it's in the red, you gotta go see a trainer immediately.
4: You're about to see the most advanced urinals in all of professional sports Jacksonville Jaguars headquarters. All right, that's a sensor that will measure your hydration level. If the light turns green when you go, you're good. If it's yellow, you need to hydrate some more. If it's red, you're probably gonna get a notice from the athletic trainers, and maybe have an IV
2: i'm like nfl plus has all sorts of stuff and i appreciate like analytics programs and and here's a game preview from this analyst i i might not click on any of that stuff if you told me there's a scott hansen uh weekly show where he goes to different nfl facilities and tries out the bathrooms and just tells us and does like a review as if he's like dave portnoy you know i think jamie heard said it great she was like uh you know one flush like instead of one bite like you know the rest of the rules you know i would be in on it and then a a twitter you know person uh, tweeted our show because we had hansen talking about this urinal and like this incredible urinal this second like this like ai urinal tells you about your pee um a a twitter person you know hit up the show and was like was like you know it's actually not a terrible idea hansen in one stall a guest in another stall You just have, you know, the two of these guys with behind closed stalls. We don't see their faces. We hear their voices. We hear whatever else action they've got going on. And it's a full interview show with Scott Hansen from a bathroom in a facility. NFL Plus. Guys, I can't just give these ideas away for free. There's got to be an apartment there that's working on these. This is gold. Take it and do what you want with it. And with that, we get to our guest. Um, I really love this dude. We'll get him on right after this.
0: You go into your shower feeling
3: Select goods. That's leesa.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details.
2: Our next guest is the man making the key decisions in the front office for one of the NFL's best teams over the last several years. They're a uh, Super Bowl contender year in, year out, and they're a team that a lot of people are taking this year. And right now we are on the eve of the start of the preseason slate. So it was a good time as they wrap up their training camp trip out to Rochester to bring on our guy, GM of the Buffalo Bills, Mr. Brandon Bean. Brandon, what's up, man?
4: How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing great. Appreciate you having me on, like always, buddy.
2: I love having you on. I think you're the first recurring guest in the history of this podcast. We've had lots of coaches, lots of coordinators, lots of GMs, but you're the first guy I've ever asked to come back on because I loved how much Uh, fun we had on the first one. And now you're here for the second one. And let's dive right in. Um, At this point in training camp, when it's beyond, Hey, everybody, let's unpack our bags. When you're not sleeping in your own bed and you're now onto week two, is it one of those where it's like, okay, we're good. Like we're set. Let's get the season going. Or is it, you wish you had a couple more days to kind of work out the kinks?
4: Yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy training camp. I enjoy it up here in Rochester. It's a great setup here at St. John Fisher. And it's just, it's, you know, every team is its own team. You have a lot of the same players, but um, every team forms its own bond. And uh, those teams that bond together, I, I go back to the teams that we had success on in Carolina, um, the team that we had that made it to the AFC Championship a couple of years ago. Like, those guys genuinely loved being around each other. Uh, it's, we all know it's not always the most talented team. It's, it's the best team because you're going to have adversity, Obviously we faced our fair share of that last season. And and so this is kind of where that bond really starts at camp away. You're just kind of on your own. You're in dorm rooms, you're you're hanging out at the cafeteria, whatever it is. So I enjoy it, but it is getting to the point where uh you know I know the guys are starting to get tired of hitting each other, and yep. so they're ready to hit someone else. And uh so and plus from my standpoint, I know that the the pass rushers know Deion Dawkins' move or Spencer Brown's move or vice versa let me see them get some you know some fresh meat and how how they do you know from that standpoint
2: yeah you guys are one of the few teams left that actually travels for training camp obviously the cowboys and we can name a few the advantage of going to like a college campus and being and I, I, Josh Allen and Von Miller need to be in dorms for two weeks. Like the advantage of that, though, give me the give me the plus for it. Because I remember covering the Giants when all the big fellows were arguing, just it was over. It was Albany. The beds were too small, and they were like, "This is just, we're just we're veterans making millions of dollars. What are we doing? Um, what are these? What are the advantages of going off campus and off site and really having that bonding experience?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think our football ops guys, uh, Brendan Rose, our DFO, I think they do a great job of. Getting bigger beds in here, they find. So the guys aren't sleeping in true dorm beds uh, like you would think. It is dorm rooms, uh, so uh, we're not at the Ritz-Carlton by any means. But uh, it's not a long stretch. And I just think, like I said earlier, the bonding, um, having to just, you know, no one's trying to rush home, no one's wife's on them or girlfriend or whatever. Hey, we got to get home. you got to do this. It just, to me, it takes the pressure off of everyone. Your singular focus is football here for a couple of weeks. And then, then you kind of return to no, some, some normalcy. And, and again, building that bond, you know, Sean and I both believe it's just, it's, it's super important for the long stretch that, you know, the, of the season of 17 games,
2: I would imagine the star players don't have roommates or do they?
4: No, uh, they don't, you know, we, we, we buck some of the young guys, but uh, no, the, uh, none of the guys
2: uh, like Josh Allen is not like with Josh Matt Allen in a, in a bunk and bed. And, no, no. <laughs>
4: and Micah and Jordan, they're uh, uh, they got their own room, so they're uh, they're in good shape from that standpoint.
2: Yeah. Uh, the, you mentioned last year at the end, like the adversity. I've gone through it a million times on our show. I've talked about it in our pocket. Like there was, there, you understandably nothing left in the tank by the end. Now it's not an excuse. It's just no team I can remember in recent years has gone through a two month span with all the weather stuff. And then DeMar and just straight through to, to the end of the season where it's like, God, th- they've gone through a lot. Um, do you feel like the team is refreshed or is there a hangover from all that where you like can kind of sense that, uh, you know, the stink of the end of last year, and I don't mean to say stink, but you know what I mean, yep. uh, is still with this team as we head towards 2023?
4: No, I think, um, you know, as like I said, every team's a new team and it's our job to learn from what, look, yes, there was adversity, there was things that come up, but it's what you do with it and, and how you take that and the the scars of not winning, you know, that trophy that the Chiefs, you know, won again last season. It's 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 what you do with it, learn from it, the mistakes, things we could have done better. Yes, there was adversity, but there's things we could have handled uh, ourselves, and, and we know that. And so this is a fresh group, a new team, and and so we got a fresh outlook. Everyone's um, looking ahead to, to this season and, and trying to make sure that we don't repeat, you know, the mistakes that ultimately cost us, uh, you know, a chance at a Super Bowl.
2: When we had you on last time, you took us step-by-step through the the drafting of Josh Allen and how convicted you guys were. And we're going to make this move. We're going to get this guy. We're going to do it. And we found our guy, Um, Dalton Kincaid. Everywhere I looked in the mock drafts, everyone I talked to said, okay, look – Kincaid and probably Myers, the, the Notre Dame kid, they're probably going to go in the top 20. And then after that, there might be a Darnell Washington. There, there might be other guys, but tight end position is really good up top with these two guys. Yet you're sitting there in the mid-20s at the end of the first round, and there's Dalton Kincaid. Can you take us through the drafting of Dalton Kincaid from your perspective? And did you ever think in a million years, you guys would have the opportunity to draft that guy out of Utah?
4: Yeah. I mean, we really liked Dalton a lot. We tried not to... Um get it out there. We tried to keep our cards close to the vest. And, and you know, you, you do pay attention to mocks for a lot of reasons. One, to per, kind of prepare who you think is going to be there. Not that they're going to have every team, but if, again, if you're looking at 30 mocks and every single one of them has a, you know, Will Anderson going before you pick, you don't really, you know, need to go too deep. You, it's, it's usually pretty accurate. And so, um, you know, no one really was projecting Dalton Dust. People, you know, had some guards, people had some receivers, um, you know, and so it was kind of, uh, I felt like we laid under the radar there from that standpoint. And again, probably 10 days, two weeks, somewhere in there, I don't remember. I was, you know, you're kind of, we're, you know, our board, we're wrapping it up and you're looking and I'm looking to see who's on our board that we like. And versus what people think is going to be there, and and I thought ten days out, I was like, we got a good chance at Dalton, I really did. Yeah. But but then as I'm starting to do my homework and things are starting to get closer, I'm starting to hear Dalton going in the teens, um, and he's not going to get past this team and the and you know barely past twenty. And so um, at that point, you're you're making you know alternate plans if he doesn't get to you. Um, you know, whether you trade back or could someone else that you like be there. And so ultimately, you know, I told, you know, our ownership, you know, Terry Pagula said, you know, if he gets close, I may get a little aggressive here to try and get him. And ultimately, uh, we were able to move up a couple spots and get him.
2: What were the machinations of that trade? Because I remember it was Giants, Jacksonville, the Ravens, there's all these teams. Are you on the phone calling, you know, all of them and saying, let's trade for the pick. Or is it one of these where they call you and said, do you want to trade back?
4: Yeah, I mean the day of the draft, um, you know, I had guys checking around, but I, I had, uh, you know, Jacksonville was one of the teams that said they they might be open to move back. Um, uh, the Giants, you know, I talked to Joe, and he said, you know, he thought they might be willing to move back, and I said, listen, I, I again, by that day, I didn't think he would be there. I said honestly, I think we're probably going back with, you know, and not going up. That was my you know, truthful feeling. If I, if I was putting odds in Vegas that I would be going <laughs> back. Um, but then it got, you know, when he got past like 21, you know, or so I, I was like, man, we, we got a chance here.
2: And the run of wide receivers was starting.
4: But it was starting. And so I called Joe and said, Hey, what do you think? We had already nailed down what it would be. So we didn't have to
2: argue beforehand. You're like, beforehand, if hypothetically Dalton Kincaid is there,
4: this is what we're going to do. That way we don't have to argue about it. You're in agreement. I'm in agreement. And he's like, well, listen, I'll do it if 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 our guy's gone or we, or whatever. And so I'm like, all right. Well, then next thing I know, um, he texts me. He goes, uh, "We're moving up." And he's <laughs> in Jacksonville. Just gotten on the clock. You're like, what? So before. It was announced publicly. I started calling Trent balky and and saying, you know, ultimately, um, you know, Trent, I know you're trading here. What what will you, you know, what can we do? And and um, he he didn't want to trade the pick, he yeah. really didn't. Um, but Joe and them made their pick, and then he he said, I'll call you back. And so it went back and forth several calls, and he basically made me tell him who we were going to pick
2: and you had to be honest
4: and I had to shoot him straight. And, uh, yeah, I would never lie in that standpoint from a trust standpoint. And he was nervous about it, but, uh, he was willing to do it. And and he still got the tackle they wanted. and, and, And we got Dalton.
2: It's so fun. And I know I'm on the media side and the fans listening are like, but it is as simple as that as, Hey, You and Joe are like, there's a chance this might happen. We've got three days here before the draft. We're killing time. Let's work out the deal now as opposed to doing it on the clock. And then he has to text you and be like, we're actually moving up. We like banks out of Maryland. We're taking him. And you're like, ah, all right. It's It's got to be such a pressure cooker to be there. And then you only get one first round pick a year. So you don't want to mess it up and you don't want to get it wrong. And you don't want to regret not getting the guy. And have to think after you guys get Dalton Kincaid, who put up huge numbers at Utah, you guys were absolutely thrilled.
4: Yeah, we were. You know, we we really liked him through the process, and uh, just thought he'd be a great fit for here. And and um, you know, he's he's a smart kid. He's still an up and cominger and just you know, pairing him with Dawson Knox, you know, we thought could could give us another added dimension um, that teams have to defend. You know, we don't we don't we haven't used twelve personnel a lot, so this gave us a chance to add that to Ken Dorsey's uh, you know kind of his playbook.
2: Yeah. Uh, you're not going anywhere. You and Sean both are pretty secure in that market and you have this team together. Um, the stability of both the two of you guys together, when you speak to your team and when y- you address the, the the younger guys and maybe some of the veterans and they know that you're not going anywhere, um, how important is that for you guys to come and know that, hey, year to year, there's some consistency here. We're building something.
4: Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, I tell you, when, when I interviewed for the job, you know, Sean was already there. I'm interviewing with the Bagoulas, Um and, you know, so I'm talking to Terry and Kim, getting to know them. And one of the things I brought up was stability. Uh, you know, I said, you know, I felt like the AFC East teams were doing Bill Belichick a favor by constantly turning over. I said, you know, it's two things. One, you haven't found a quarterback, this organization, since Jim Kelly. Mm-hmm. So first and foremost, we we have to start that plan, you know, if you're going to hire me. And then I want to know Like, can we, this is the plan. This is not an overnight thing. You know, as I begin to work with Sean and we share ideas, um, you know, if you're going to hire me to to start working with Sean, you know, I think we see things pretty similarly from from what I know about Sean. Uh, We haven't gotten deep into the weeds. I had to get the job first, but, um, you know, they said, well, we gave Sean a five-year deal and we would do the same for whoever gets this GM job. And I said, and I hope you'll let us, you know, play that out and they said no we you know there has been a little turnover here but we want to be one of the franchises that's looked at as not quick trigger not just reacting to you know to media pressure or fan pressure but uh doing the right thing and and i tell you they've they've been great and and you know sean and i both are very fortunate to work for them and and they they're involved but and they want to know and they're doing everything that an owner should do but they're also giving us the resources to run the team and 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 do the best we can. And now it's on us to uh, see if we can somehow, you know, get this trophy finally to Buffalo here at some point.
2: Yeah. And those fans want it. Uh, AFC East is interesting because for years it felt like it was just the Patriots. And then now it's like your time. The Bills are the team. Um, Dolphins had a great season last year. Obviously, you guys beat them in the playoffs at the end. This past offseason, the Jets loaded up they're obviously going to be a factor. The Patriots are still looming. You look at this gauntlet and then your schedule, which is also the NFC East. Is the AFC East as good as it's been since you've gotten there? Do you feel that way? Or is it like, hell no, we're the team and they can come and try to get the crown. Like we don't care about what they did.
4: Yeah, I think it's uh, from top to bottom, it's as competitive as, as as you know, I can remember it um, even back when I was in the NFC, uh, just the, the Patriots dominated for so long. Yeah. And, and so, I think everyone knew, you know, we got to, you, you know, make, make bold moves. And I think all teams have done it. Um, yes. Miami, you know, unfortunately two was out for them and, and they're, you know, playing um, Skylar Thompson, rookie quarterback, That yeah, kid played a heck of a game he played well against yeah. you guys. He really, that did. game was in the balance well into the fourth quarter um, for us holding on. And so, um, you know, obviously we lose the next week, the jets, the jets beat us there. It was a tight game here. Um, you know, and now you add an MVP guy in Aaron Rodgers, just that move alone, um, I get it why people are picking them to be in the Super Bowl. Like, it's fair. And, and again, mm-hmm. the Dolphins with Tua back are going to be they, – they beat us down there with Tua, and, and we had a tight game that we won uh, in Buffalo. So I expect it to be a dogfight in New England. You know, Bill Belichick, greatest coach of all time. Um, you had Bill O'Brien, who's had a lot of great offensive su- success – um, you know, down at Bama, but it's in, in Houston and, and in New England. So um, I don't know if there's a tougher division. Maybe someone would argue um, maybe the NFC North or something, but.
2: Uh, yeah Maybe NFC North might be more, um, more contested, I would say. But yeah. as far as strength of team, I think it's AFC North and AFC East this year, in my view.
4: That's, that's, that's the way I see it. And again, you're, you're right. We're also playing uh, the NFC East and the Eagles, um, they're, they're a tough team the Giants had a heck of a run Dable and Joe have done, done a heck of a job there Cowboys, Dallas, uh, really good
2: and then your boy Ron
4: yeah you know I think Marty and Ron have done a heck of a job that team you know if you just look at their you just look at their they got to figure out is, is Sam Howell the guy yeah I know that's what they got to prove we, we we liked him as well but um you know that's going to be a contested division you know in the NFC East
2: couple questions quickly, and then I want to have some rapid fire stuff about you personally, but uh, the Vaughn Miller time, is is that just every day? I haven't been following you guys on a day-to-day basis. Are the locals asking you that every single day and asking Sean, like, what's the latest with Vaughn? When's he going to be ready? Or is it pretty established in your building that he's going to be good to go when he's good to go?
4: Yeah, I think we're just, um, you know, we're definitely having conversations, not every day with Vaughn, but every week checking in. He's doing his daily stuff with, you know, our medical team and, and rehab, and he's in a great spot. Um, mentally he's been through an ACL before, so he knows the process It's more than just the physical rehab. It's the, it's the mental part of it too. And so, um, you know, we're, we're not saying whether he could play week one or not, mm-hmm. not out of the question. Um, you know, I would, you know, right now it's probably a coin toss is, is probably the best way. To Good.
2: It. I think you would sign up for that a couple yeah. weeks ago, right?
4: Yeah. I know Vaughn wants to play in it. You know, he's still got to be clear. Dr. Cooper out in Texas did his surgery, so he's still got to get final clearance there. And and so we'll just we'll take it slow with him. We've, we've tried to beef up around in case he's not ready to, to handle that. Uh, but we'll probably know a little closer to the season.
2: Running back room is interesting. Obviously, Singletary was there for years, not there now. Um, around the league, that was such a conversation. And there are teams like the 49ers who have Christian McCaffrey, who you know very well and is an outstanding player and gets a lot of paid money. And Derrick Henry and even Saquon for his one-year deal is making $10 million you guys have a different strategy with it, or you have at least. I don't know if it's by design or not, but it doesn't seem like there's a lead dog in that room. Obviously Cook, and now you got Harris from the Bill from the Patriots, but is that a philosophical thing or is this one of those where, hey, we'd love to see James Cook run for 1,800 yards and we'd pay him the same way, or is that just how your team is built? We're going to focus on different positions and the running back spot is going to be kind of a committee deal.
4: Yeah. I mean, listen, you always want the best players. I mean, you're not going to turn down. I was there in Carolina. We drafted Christian McCaffrey. So um heck of a talent you know great move by san francisco kind of helped turn their season around last year so uh you're always looking to add good players like that no matter what position um but it is you do have to pick and choose um you know when you're picking at the bottom of the round you know your cap constraints you're paying a quarterback you got to pick some areas where you know what we'll we'll go with you know um a, a less expensive model whether it's draft capital um, or, or, you know, signing, you know, a, a veteran, you know, for, or, you know, a reasonable price, and so uh, we we liked how James Cook played last year, especially down the stretch. Um, thought he did some really good things, and Damian Harris has had some really good moments. As a matter of fact, against
2: us, he played some well against you guys.
4: Best game. So uh, at least I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> uh, but hopefully, he'll do that for us. And so he's just had some some health hiccups along the way. That's probably been. His biggest issue not not how he plays and latavius murray had a really good year last year we brought him in um born and raised in syracuse played yeah. in central florida but uh he, he grew up a bills fan so it's been fun to have him here big time leader and and we lost Naheem hines unfortunately but uh, we feel like we're in good hands with these guys and and we'll kind of see how it goes
2: you know latavius um, show has been on since 2016 when he was on the raiders latavius used to come on our show and he had such a good time on our show he was in new york and asked can i come on and we said well actually uh, Nate Burleson's out. Do you want to host? And so a 2016 version of Latavius Murray was a host on our show. We had a blast. He had thoughts. He had takes. Sure enough, here we are seven years later and he's on another team. And I would imagine he's going to make the squad and he's still making an impact.
4: That's funny. I told him, I was like, I thought your film was even better last season than the wow. previous year. And he talked about some training methods he did. I thought he really, know, he started on New England, on New Orleans practice squad, they mm-hmm. play him in a game. Then Denver plucks him. And um, he, he's a big time leader. He's a big, old school, heavy body back. Um, You know, I think a good um, compliment to, you know, to the other guys we have in
2: the room. The dig stuff. was that all just, you know, people trying to fill headlines or is everything, I mean, you know what I'm talking about when he was tweeting and I can't even follow it to be honest, because I'm just like, that's a wide receiver. Stefan Diggs is a great guy, great teammate. I'm not going to get caught up with this, but then there was rumors that he wants out and the giants were interested. I don't even, you tell me, are we all good with Stefan Diggs as we head towards 2023?
4: Yeah, we're, we're in a great – I think Steph's in a great spot. We're in a great spot. I think sometimes you just um, – you know, seasons end end abruptly. And um, when you work as hard as, as he or others on this team do and you come up short like we did last season, you leave frustrated. You don't get to come back for a week and hang out and talk about how it finished or whatever. Everybody kind of goes their merry way. So, um, like anything, there can be a lot of smoke in the offseason and people looking for headlines. But, you know, we, we felt like once we kind of all sat down and, and – shared where we where we can get better where we see things and how we're going um that we we would all get on the same page and i think that's that's what happened and steph's had a great camp um it's been really good him and josh have have you know picked up right where they have generally left off and and so um no we don't i don't i don't see anything i think it's more i think it's more for the outside noise than than what actually goes you
2: know on. there are certain morning tv shows that need to fill three hours every day in june brandon yeah. so yeah. i apologize june
4: and so july <laughs> Time to turn around, but, uh, no, it's, it's been good. It's been good to have Steph
2: back in here. All right. Quick stuff about you. Cause I love this. Uh, if I lived in Buffalo, I think I would weigh 600 pounds. And I say that just because of the food and how good it is and the wings. And when I came up, uh, in the, in the winter for a game, you and I got together, we went to a spot. I don't even remember what it was called. We had some wings. It was fine. But then when I said the place that we were going there, were, every single person I spoke to was like, no, 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 you gotta go to this one. You gotta go to this one. You gotta go to this one. Are you a wings guy to that point? Because you're in incredible shape, and so is Sean McDermott. And I'm wondering how do these guys resist being just 500 pounds and being slobs eating wings every night?
4: Well, McDermott's in a lot better shape than I am. But I'm I'm trending the wrong way fast. But, uh, <laughs> just trying to tread water. Just ask my kids; they tell me how fat I am all the time. But, uh, no, I have heard
5: that term.
2: Treading water is basically my August diet. Just treading water. Just get, <laughs> just water. get me uh, through it, man.
4: It's 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 fun, but uh, no, it's. Uh, I do like wings. I am particular, you got um, a spot. There's some good spots, but bar bill is, is my spot.
2: It's Everyone a, says this as there's one in Rochester too. I think I've been texted, I've been tweeted. It. All right. Yeah. They just opened it. All right, yeah, commercial opened for bar bill. Tell me why it's the it's the best wings. Do you go straight barbecue or Buffalo? Or do you have like one of these crazy, like honey, teriyaki, Malibu blaze? Like I don't do that stuff.
4: Cajun, honey, butter, barbecue,
2: Cajun, honey, butter, barbecue. My mouth is watering. That sounds incredible.
4: Yeah. Uh, they also have just regular honey butter barbecue. If you don't like my wife likes those because, uh, she doesn't like the spice to it, yeah. but, uh, either one's great. I, I generally like the little kick to mine, uh, but they, they got a great lager beer as well. Uh, it's just, uh, it's a great place, but the wings are.
2: Is it crispy good. wing or is it like a smothered in sauce? wing? I don't like a crispy, like crunch. I like a smothered in sauce.
0: wing. This is great yeah, It's for more, a it's yeah. more,
4: uh, smothered in sauce. Okay. Um, it's just, it's hard to say. They, they, they literally like brush, brush it on. It's yeah. just, uh, it's truly is, is like, you're oh, going
2: there know. tonight. I can tell by the way we're talking, I think like, you have like that lust in your eyes. I
4: wasn't even <laughs> thinking about it. You're trying to twist, me up, twist my heart and start thinking about me salivating here in a minute. Uh,
2: okay. Your, your journey, which I've talked about before is amazing. Cause you didn't start off being a general manager in the NFL. You actually took a different route real quick for the listeners. Um, the public relations side of the Carolina Panthers, uh, and, how you made the jump because we had Brad Holmes on earlier this summer and he told us his story and I was so inspired by it. Same kind of thing. PR of the St. Louis Rams and made the jump from PR to the scouting department. Did your path, if you don't mind, in uh, as long as you want to take, honest, honestly, but you get in there from the PR side and then where do you go from there?
4: Yeah, I did six weeks for PR, basically a training camp. That was back when training camp was six weeks. We got there
2: where was it? Was it in Carolina? Or it was in Carolina.
4: Yeah, we were Wofford College, Spartanburg, South Carolina. Wofford. Virginia. Yeah. So um, it was there through the whole preseason, and then um, and then moved over to football ops for the season. I was kind of doing a little bit of player development. I was helping the equipment guys, like I was folding towels, helping to practice, and then halfway through the season, they started traveling me on the road to help the equipment guys. I'm holding rain jackets and. Uh, things for the guys to rub their cleats on, like whatever needed to be done. You just – it's all hands on deck. And then after that season, they hired me full-time as a football ops assistant, you know, helping set up training camp, lining up travel, picking guys up at the airport, taking them for physicals.
2: Who was your most notable pickup at the airport when like a, a big name free agent came in? Do you have a good story?
4: Oh, yeah. I had uh, the, the funniest visit ever. Uh, I had a few, but uh, we brought in on the same day Charles Haley and Nate <laughs> Newton. And <I> was- <laughs> Had him in the to van. Carolina,
2: I don't remember this.
4: To Carolina, so Charles Haley did not sign. I think he ended up signing Detroit. Okay, uh, but we signed Nate Newton. That was his last year. Uh, okay, so they us. both he,
2: get off the same flight from Dallas. Like where? Where? They we were
4: not on the same flight. Okay. but they knew off. each other. But they oh, they obviously yeah. knew each other. And um, <laughs> if you had like one of those cameras in a van, <laughs> I can't repeat all what was said. Um, uh, there was a, there was a lot of stuff, but uh, it was. <laughs> We had a lot of laughs and uh, it was cool because as a kid, I'm watching these guys grow up I'm fresh out of college and I'm taking them for a physical and they're busting each other's chops. They're telling stories again, cause they were back together. And, um, I spent an evening, you know, getting them to the hotel. And then I picked them up at like six thirty in the morning, take them for the physical. They meet the coach. Then I take them for lunch and then they go back and meet some, meet some more coaches. And I take them back to the airport and, and, Basically, Nate Newton's telling him, "Hey, man, I'm gonna sign here. I love it here." And yeah. and and Charles Haley, he's trying to talk Charles Haley into it. And oh, Haley I love this back and forth. And so I go back and report to uh, Marty Herney what the deal is. I'm telling Marty, like, "Wow, I think Newton's in. Nate's in. Yeah, he's on the fence. Yeah, it's like, he's trying to convince him." Uh, and uh, so it was uh, definitely we covered some R-rated and beyond yeah. uh, events of their life, but it was a. It, that was probably the most notable, but uh, I picked up Reggie White as well. From Is the- that right? Yeah, yeah. He, he finished in Carolina um, as well. One of the nicest people in the world, and uh, it was it was it's sad that his life ended the way it did. But yeah, he he was telling me get him get him out there, pick him up early. He wanted to get in the hot tub for like yes. forty minutes to get himself loose. And yes, you know it was just it was cool. So definitely had some some characters. Eric Swann.
2: Eric Swan, which is one of my favorite football stories of all time, did not play college football with a sixth overall pick from the Cardinals.
4: Yeah. yeah. So I was around some cool dudes. It was, uh, it was fun. You learned a lot.
2: You also knew a young Steve Smith, right?
4: Yes. Yes. Right. What was
2: young? What was 20-something Steve Smith like?
4: <laughs> um <laughs> Even more uh, unfiltered, (laughs) that's what I would say. Uh, But I love him. His his heart was uh, always genuine. You knew where Steve never hid how he felt, still really doesn't today. But I would say, Steve, you're still getting a filtered version of Steve. Uh, I've seen many unfiltered versions, and the 2001 was as unfiltered as it came.
2: Yeah. Um, I love all this stuff. Your one piece of advice to a kid who approaches you in the elevator at the combine and says, excuse me, sir, here's my resume printed out. I'm 22 years old. I just graduated from John Carroll or I went to Amherst and I want to get into being a GM and I drove myself to Indianapolis. What would be your one piece of advice for me getting into the league?
4: Yeah. I mean, to me it it is hard. It really is, but go get experience. um, Wherever you're at, if you're in college, Go work in the athletic office. If you've got a football program there, go work for there. If you got a minor league baseball team in town, like just get skins on the wall. Work with different people. A, you're going to meet different people um, from different walks of life. You may work with someone in a, you know, an NBA team that actually knows someone in the NFL or uh, a triple A baseball team <laughs> that knows someone in, in the NBA or the NFL, whatever it is, just get out there, work. Don't worry about the money tell people that do not worry about the money if you want to be in sports don't chase the money yes i'm fortunate now but this was a long shot to sure ever get here i enjoyed every step of the journey and if i was you know still a football ops assistant or um you know director of football operations whatever titles i've had i guarantee i would have been just as happy mm. living the life i was living so you gotta love it it's crazy hours um, you got to make sure if you're getting married girl, you know, wife or husband or whatever it is that they are on board the weekends, because I've seen many get in a few years in their, their, their other half does not like the schedule mm-hmm. and, and it starts causing some friction and, and they got to make a move. So just try to tell them to be upfront with whoever their significant other is. And, and, um, you know, just, just be ready for, if you're living in one side of the country and someone calls you on the other side. Be able pack, to pack your bag, your apartment up in a day, and and say I'll be there tomorrow.
2: Brandon, I love this, and back to the significant other thing. I, here's what I've learned: now that I've got two kids, and you've obviously you're a great dad, be present when you are around. Right, make the most yeah. of that time because that's a major compromise. I'm not going to be you know, I'm not going to be there for any weekends over the football season. But hey, I've got a rare job where there are a couple of weeks in June and early July where I am around. Like, wouldn't you be that? That be your piece of advice too? Make the most of that time.
4: Oh, you got to You could because you're going to be a better employee for the organization if, if your home life's good and, and you, you're doing everything there. If you're if you're leaving things out and, and you don't want to regret, we've seen it in this in this sport where you hear coaches or, you know, whatever executives that um, didn't weren't really around their kids and they, they missed their whole their whole livelihood or they're you know, watching them play sports or play the piano or whatever their passion, you know, whatever their kid's passion is. Um, you know, it's very important for me to make sure to tell our staff here. And, and I know Sean does as well as listen, we got plenty of hours, but if your kid's playing a game and you can get there, it's not going to interfere with this job. I, I expect you to be there. Hell My yeah. I will be pissed if you, if you do I love that. Yeah. So it's, you gotta, you gotta have that, that, that balance because it's hard enough as it is with the hours. So when you can get home and, and support your, you know, your significant other and definitely your kids. Um, that's huge. You know, the last thing you want to do is be great at work and, and, and screw it up at home.
2: Man, that's great. Um, my last one with you, because I texted you earlier this summer that I'm picking up golf for the first time. I've told the podcast listeners, my wife has a gift, bought me clubs. Uh, I got the clubs I got in the course and I've been trying to mooch off people to be invited to their clubs. I've played the public courses. I've done it all. I've been trying. I'm terrible, but you, it's hard. You've always been playing. So I'm going to ask you three golf questions, rattle them off rapid fire. One, your favorite golfer at the moment is whom?
4: Oh, uh, that's a great one. Probably Rory. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Big Rory fan. And he's actually, um, his wife's from Rochester up here. What? Really? Yeah. And her family, I think from Oak Hill. and I think he is a member here at Oak Hill across the street. So, uh, I've enjoyed watching his game. And I think it's, it's been cool to watch him back to PGA Tour.
2: Love it. The coolest course you've played at?
4: Um, it's – I go back and forth. I mean, in America, Pebble Beach, just it's just so beautiful. It's not the hardest, but just the scenery is it's crazy. But I went to Scotland last summer. Did you? And uh, eight of us went over there. And, and the courses over there, I mean, all of them are great, but there's a couple um, that were just uh, – Kings Barns over there was was, was amazing. There was – there was a few that would just you know blow your blow your socks off. Yeah. I loved if you could tell me I can go anywhere to play golf for a week right now. Scotland? I would go right back to Scotland. Really? And do that again. It's it's
2: Did uh, I see that the Ryder Cup is in Italy this year?
4: I don't know. It maybe Someone be. said that
2: it's in Italy. Yeah. I'm like that sounds cool also. Uh yeah. Back to the Scott. Have you ever played Augusta? I, know, I assume you've been to the Masters because I see Josh Allen there all the time. I figure he's taking his GM, who's paying him hundred million dollars. He's going to take you as a guest, right?
4: <laughs> I have not gotten to play it, but I have. Um, I did meet someone this year, um, you know, th- through someone at the Kentucky Derby, and uh, uh, they're planning to take me out there was going to do it. I actually doing a pot I did a podcast with him. That's coming out later.
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, so whatever. That, that <laughs> Don't give me deal. money. Let me just come.
4: That was the deal. Do the podcast. And we would go out to, uh, uh, Augusta. So that's supposedly coming up sometime in the next 12 months.
2: Dude, I can't wait. And my last one with the golf, because I think we make, you know, I'm a casual, go- your real deal. What's the best round you've ever played and where did you play it?
4: Uh, best round was 69. It was a uh, country club of Buffalo back here. I shot it in, the summer of 2018. It was my second summer. Yeah. Yeah. I double bogey the first hole. Too.
2: Did you really? Cause I was going to say like, when you have a round like that, do you even have room for a bogey or is it just yeah. par, par, par the whole way? Yeah.
4: I screwed up and bladed a, uh, a sandwich on the first hole across the green and ended up making double. And after that I had no blemishes. I had three birdies after that. To get, it's a par 70. So I got, got it back to one under,
2: uh, have you ever had a hole in one?
4: Yes. 2008. Uh,
2: <laughs> I mean, you can, if I asked you, like, who was the third round picker that you guys had last year? You might, you might, you might stumble. Nope. Yeah. 2008. Where was it?
4: Yeah. It was a place called the witch. Um, it's down in uh, Myrtle beach, uh, South Carolina. So I was playing with a few guys down there and uh, yeah, it was, it was on the back nine. I think it was hole 12. Uh, it was 160 yards and uh, the guys in the group saw it going before I did. I thought they were messing with
2: me. And, yeah. I got, got a shot. I yeah,
4: um, yeah, started, it was, it was wild
2: the parallels of playing golf and being a GM, are there any, do you see any similarities or is this your total, you know, take your foot off the pedal. That's where you go to escape.
4: It is where I go to escape. I mean, uh, you listen, like in anything that you, that you want to be good at, you got to be mentally tough and, and you're going to have adversity. You're going to have adversity on the course. You're going to have adversity in this job. And so, uh, just find the, the positive from it and, uh, and learn from what you did wrong. And, and so those are probably the parallels.
2: Love it. Brandon, now it's 35 minutes, just like that. I appreciate nice. it, bro. Easy. Fantastic.
4: Easy. Always easy with you, buddy. Uh, anytime. You know that.
2: Great. Uh, I've got to make my Super Bowl pick in the next couple of weeks. It might be Bills. It might not be, but you don't hold it against me when it's not, right?
4: No. 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 It's usually yeah. wrong anyway. Uh, actually, uh, yeah. Everybody picked us last year, so... I just assume nobody pick us and let's just That's go good. play football.
2: That's ball. probably better off. Let's go play football. Uh, Bills, Jets, Monday night, week one. Brandon Bean, you'll be up in that, uh, in that booth watching with your binoculars. I'm sure I'll see you on the broadcast and hopefully I'll see you there. Uh, you're the man. Thanks for joining. GM of the Buffalo Bills, Brandon Bean.
4: Thanks, Peter. I'll see you soon, buddy.
0: You go into your shower feeling tired. Green Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
5: Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid
2: Brandon Beans the man. Uh love having him on and I'm rooting for him. I really am. I feel like a Bills Super Bowl one of these years would be a great thing for the city but also for that guy as you could tell good friend of mine and a great great evaluator. Another good friend of mine is on the phone at the moment. Yes, the phone. He doesn't do Zoom. He doesn't do Riverside. He doesn't do any of these things. He does the phone. And then we have to use his audio from the phone and we drop it. And it's one of my best friends from growing up. And he's been a regular guest during the football season. You haven't heard from him much. It's my buddy, Detro. Detro, what's up, man?
7: Peter Schrager. Thanks for having me back. Uh, again, every time I'm on, it's always a tough follow. Now I'm following Brandon Bean.
2: Brandon Bean is an executive of the year, uh, one of the greatest GMs in the last 20 years. And now here you are, a childhood pal of mine, and you are the, the main event or the dessert, however you want to put it. But I wanted to bring you on specifically, not for your football thoughts. I know you've got football thoughts. I know you've got lots of thoughts on Saquon's contract, but more about what these next few days meant to you and me as kids. And let me explain to the listeners. Detro and I went to summer camp together. This is not for everyone. This is very niche, a Northeast thing, if you will. Detro and I went to summer camp together. We didn't grow up in the same town. He grew up in a town in Long Island. I grew up in New Jersey. Our parents could not stand us. They would send us away to a sleepaway camp where we learn how to build fires and sing songs and tell scary stories and do pranks. But the last few days of the summer camp season was something called color war. And right now, Color War is starting at our camp, Camp Laconda, where we went, and camps across the Maine, Pennsylvania, upstate New York, uh, locate geography, whatever you want to say. Camps are all going on right now, and it's Color War. It's the last thing of the summer. Dietro, why don't you tell our listeners who may have never heard of Summer Camp or never heard of Color War, what Color War is. Okay, so
7: taken to the fact that You start up at summer camp right around the third week of June. So you're there for about six weeks in a row, and it's you and call it maybe about 20 other guys that are in your age group. And the whole summer, all you're doing, you're hanging out, you're having a good time, you're playing sports, you're going swimming, you're doing everything that's just based around you just having fun for six straight weeks at a summer camp, and it's unbelievable. And then all of a sudden, the last week of camp, they say, okay, there's 400 campers or so that are here this summer. We are going to split you up into two teams. There's 200 on this side and 200 on that side, and it goes by age, whatever group that you're in. And for the next three and a half to four days, you are going to be split up with the guys or girls your age, and you are just going to do Every athletic competition against one another in just wild, competitive nature. Scores being kept. Everybody split apart. It tears you. It tears you apart so much that the old saying in sleepaway camps was "No color war in the bunks." Remember that, Peter? Yeah. No color. No color war allowed in the bunks. When you're out on the soccer field, the basketball court, there's color war. If you're, <laughs> up, if you're out in the dining hall and you sit at the tables, there's color war. You're screaming back and forth, back and forth at each other. But when you get back to the bunk, everybody has to take a step back. No color war allowed in the bunks because otherwise you'd overflow and just it would be too competitive. There might even be fights that erupt in the bunk. And you just spend three or four days doing everything competitive. Against the guy that maybe slept in the bunk bed above you, <laughs> that, who, who was your best friend for the past six weeks. And now you guys hate each other because you're on opposite sides of the aisle. It's it's just the most amazing four-day span of the summer for you. And this right now, this sort of second week of August, if you're someone who's in our age bracket and you went to sleepaway camp, did this if you're logging on to Facebook, you're logging on to Instagram, whatever it is, you what you you you, you your friends of yours that have kids you, you're seeing all the live stories that are popping up and everything <laughs> that's happening you you re- you can't escape it but then it's so amazing and then all of a sudden guys you haven't spoken to in twenty years are texting you being like oh my god you remember this from color remember that from color? <laughs> it's it's just the most amazing flashback I love it uh
2: I, I we were texting about it. I was like you got to come on the podcast and explain this most people don't even know what it is but. I don't remember who won Color War any year, but I remember exploits from Color War. Like I remember there was something called the Relay, and then you uh, heroically threw a softball through a tire before our friend. And and it's still it it was probably thirty years ago. It's still one of your best athletic moments, if not your best life moments. Right?
7: <laughs> it, it it it's something that set me up for for the path of of success that I did on. <laughs>
2: How old were you when you threw a softball through a tire? I was fifteen. <laughs> And what, what would you say? How did that set you up for a path of success? It
7: just let, you know, you, you win there. You always have that story in your back pocket. You always do. And, you know, as as you get a little bit older and and you, you grow up on Long Island or in New Jersey or in that camping world, as you go off to college and you start to meet new people, you start to sort of make connections and, and you meet someone who knows someone or a friend of a friend. And it's, it's the most amazing icebreaker you can have is if you know a, a camp's friend's friend or a friend of somebody who went to camp with someone you know or something like that. And right away, you bring up Colorway, you bring up the Soulful throw. they know. Everyone knows how it is because every camp out there has some sort of a final event <laughs> that everybody's watching that when you're eight, nine, 10 years old, you, you, you wish and you hope and you can't wait to be able to do that. And then when you actually do it and you win, you're able to tell that story to anybody who's been in the camping world, and they get it, and they respect it, and the ice is broken. And you can discuss anything you want, whether it's friends, if you're in the business world, anything you want. The walls come down, and any the doors are open
2: to you. Todd, thank you. Let me ask you one more question, because you had a take that no one else had. Sean Payton's comments on Nathaniel Hackett, go.
7: I mean, me personally, I—, I I kind of love those comments. (laughs) I mean, the 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 Broncos were more or less the worst team in the league last year, and you know Nathaniel Hackett, whether whether it's his fault or not, he's the head coach. That's all his fault. They hired Sean Payton for a reason. Sean Payton has a long line of credibility behind him. You know, there's very few coaches left in the league that have Lombardi trophies sitting on their walls right there. He has the right and the credibility to come in and turn things around and say what he has to say to get his team moving forward. What does he care? What he has to say about the jets.
2: Rightfully so. There it is. Uh, I can't wait to have you on during the season again. Uh, go enjoy your summer and I'll text you about color. All right, buddy.
7: Love it. Thanks for having me.
2: There you go, guys. That's the season with Peter Schrager. We have, uh, the usual, uh, monologue. We had a guest in Brandon Bean and we had my buddy Detro. We are in regular season form right now. I want to thank everybody, uh, back at the LA studios. I want to thank, uh, the great Aaron Wong Kaufman. I want to thank Brandon Bean, my buddy Detro and of course, Jason English and, uh, all the folks who put this thing together. Keep on coming back next week. We got some good ones. We're going to start doing this. I thought this would be interesting. We're going to get our usual array of guests, but I don't, like necessarily like the fantasy football analysis but there are certain fantasy football podcasts that i really like some of the people on there and i thought we would serve one of these weeks do a little fantasy football preview Uh, maybe we won't we'll see but i'm thinking next week we're gonna do it and it's gonna be good hang tight listen and go win your league uh till next time this is the season with peter schräger